so yeah, let's just, uh, I think we, we decided we're going to change things up a little bit, kind of move away from talking specifically about, you know, like specific hiring trends. I mean, we'll still talk about those things, but keeping it a little loose, more about, I think, this idea of democratizing access. Um, hey, uh, which, is it Hickam? Is that how you say that? Sorry, my glasses aren't on. Yeah, it looks like Hickam's joining us. Hickam, if you want to join the chat or uh, join the discussion, let us know. Um, but we're talking about, you know, how do, we, how do we create equitable hiring opportunities or equitable interviewing opportunities for, for everyone, right? How do we put tools in the hands of anybody who has to interview so that they can create a better interview experience, right, Joe? Like, it, you know, how do we how do we do that? How do we make it so that everybody has that opportunity? Because right now, you know, there's technology out there, interview platforms and things like that, but they're expensive, and so usually a, a whole company has to buy it. So how do we how do we get things like that in the hands of everybody who has to interview? Yeah, I mean, I, we talk about it all the time, right? It's just how do we ensure that people aren't mistreated throughout the hiring practice? How do we ensure that people are not discriminated against in the hiring process for so many number of reasons? And a lot of that comes down to the interview process, right? We For what we say, 100 years, we've trusted the process to a subjective exercise of sitting two people in a room and one comes out and says whether they like the person enough to hire them. But that has had so many effects on women in the workplace, people of color in the workplace, people with English as a second language in the workplace. We have to, to your point, um, democratize or make equitable hiring the standard, not, uh, not some thing that a couple companies can achieve because they have the technology. Yeah. I mean, I think that that should be at the core of what people in the HR space and in the recruiting space are trying to do is figure out how do we take all the subjectivity that's created all the inequity that we see in the world of work out of play. There's 9.2 mm -hmm. million job openings right now in the U S just the U S alone. It's crazy. I mean, how do That's we crazy. how do we solve for some of those jobs that are over sixty k over a hundred k and get more people into those types of jobs? Yeah, I mean it, it's well, and you got to think like for for a leader who's trying to figure this out, who's trying to get get more understanding of the types of hiring that's going on throughout their organization. You know, I think of operations leaders, right, who who don't have a lot of control over that. Yeah, for sure. You know? They don't. Right. And so the risk, the risk that comes with not having a good process in place to build your company with the right talent. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's a heck of a stressor. Um, but, but it's, it, it's, you're kind of flying blind. Yeah. And you know, so, so why wouldn't you try to arm your interviewers, anybody interviewing with, with a way to do it in a much more structured and, risk averse, less biased way with data that helps you make the best decision possible, not only just once, but every time. Totally. Totally. 
Because right I mean, now, yeah, I, don't... I think. Well, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go for it. You know. Well, what? I was just going to say. Think. I mean, like right now. I mean, it's right now. I think there are, are some key industries that are having a lot of problems hiring, right? And so every hire that they can make. So I think about the restaurant industry, for example. Every hire that they can make is a critical hire, mm-hmm. and even more so than before. Mm-hmm. And so how, you know, how, how do we ensure that those critical hires, it's almost like, it's almost like having an insurance policy on this stuff. <laughs> like, how do we do that? How do we, how do, you know, how do we create that? And how do we, I don't know. What are some things that we can that that companies can start doing right now to to get to that point to almost build their own insurance policy for the hiring decisions that they make? I mean, we're just seeing. I mean, we're already seeing it, right? Those operations individuals. We're seeing companies provide more budget to hiring overall, and I think that that's where it starts. Is just give those teams more resources to to be more strategic, to start to think through how can, how can we change something that is, you know, always rapid, always going, and that is so impactful to the company, you have to fund it. So I think you're starting to see these people who are leading operations um, say, we have to vest, we have to give him or her, whoever's leading that part of the organization, more resources, more people, um, so that they can start to get out of reactionary mode of, hey, we just have to hire to more of a planning mode. We have to think about how we hire because everything we're talking about is do you have time to plan and strategize or do you only have time to execute? And if we mm-hmm. think hiring is simply a job of execution, uh, then we're wrong, right? I mean, it's not just yeah. to do, do more faster. That doesn't right. get us to a better place. Right. And, and, but I think that's where a lot of companies end up, especially these fast growth companies, because they have all of those roles to fill and they needed to fill them yesterday. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- there's also a lot of companies who equate one person with $1. <laughs> so totally. the more people you throw at it, well, then the more money we're going to make. But mm-hmm. that's not true. I mean, that, that, that's not true. And so to your point, We've got to get out of that. We, we've got to get out. We, we've got to find a solution that, that hits both, you know, that, that, that helps with the, the speed at which companies are wanting to hire and some needing to hire balanced with doing it in the right way so that every one of those hires, even if you're hiring 100 people in a week, you can, you can sit back and have confidence as leaders that every one of those, or at least most of them, were mm-hmm. the perfect hire for, for that role. That we did our job to make sure that we evaluated every candidate equally and that we hired the right person at that time. How many companies do you think are anywhere near that? I mean, just as a guess, but how many do you think are anywhere near that level of what you just said, confidence, confidence in each hire. And when they don't make a good hire, they know why they did it. Why uh, they did. It's definitely, I think it's in the minority. I mean, it's probably with, with, uh, off the cuff, 20%. Yeah. Maybe. I, I probably would have said off the cuff 10. 
I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen a lot. I mean, seen thousands of interviews, thousands, I mean, just touching companies. And, but I think the tone is changing that they believe. It's interesting. Like, I, I do think that we were previously in a world where people thought, hey, it's working just fine. So let's just keep going. So much has happened in the last couple of years where I think more and more people are saying, you know what, this isn't working. Like, we got to find a different way. So I think. Though we're, st- it's kind of we're in this weird place where hiring's still happening, kind of the same, but people mm-hmm. know that it's not the right way to do it. They know that like this isn't working. They know like this isn't this isn't equitable. There's problems with this. Like, how can we think about this better? How can we approach this differently? So I think we're living in a time where, you know, generations are converging on like how can we do this differently? Because think about it, we have. Young generation saying this is inequitable. We're not treating people who are different, who are on the spectrum, like who show up um, differently and, and who, who want to be accepted for gender diversity and all these things. Like we have a up and coming generation that is fighting this fight. But the perfect storm is we also have an aging generation that is saying, yeah, you're right. Like I can't show up because age di- discrimination. And so though it's like – not completely selfless why we have this convergence of all generations looking at this. Um, mm-hmm. You have the middle generation, right? The the generation that's buying homes and building families saying, I want different work-life balance and that should be okay. Right. And so you have the up and coming generation, the aging generation, and then those middle generations all aligned on the fact for different reasons that we have to approach building companies and hiring and work different than we have. So I think it's, it's like, a perfect storm while we also have, you know, the tone of society being challenged in so many ways with George Floyd, with COVID, mm-hmm. with all the things. It's an interesting time and for many reasons to be alive, but it's an interesting time in the future of work and in workforce to be alive as well. Yeah. I love, I love that the, this, we're kind of in an era of challenge where right. every we're, we're challenging everything. I love that perspective. I hadn't really thought about it, but more people, you know, and, and you know, people use the word woke or whatever, but more people are waking up to the fact that, you know what, we do need to challenge some of this stuff. It's been in yep. play for far too long without any challenge or without yep. any, at least gut, not gut check. Cause we don't go for those, but more like an audit, right. Or an analysis of, is this really helping us? Is this really helping people find meaningful work? Is this really, is this really helping our companies be better? Is, is this yeah. really helping us all contribute to society in a more impactful and better way to bring everybody up? And totally, we we haven't done that. And this, to your mm-hmm. point, the last eighteen months have have really brought a lot of that to the surface. And 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 now companies can't get away with what they were doing before they can't, mm-hmm. they can't hide things. You know, it's, it's like discovering who the wizard of Oz really is. Like that's where we're at. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's exciting because uh, there's just, there's a shift in just how everyone is approaching work. You have leaders of mm-hmm. the biggest companies in the world, or let's just call them the fastest growing or, or companies like Google, companies like Facebook. This is regardless of what you think about, the companies themselves, you have a lot of their leaders stepping up saying, you know what, we're changing the way that we work, you know, and, and honestly, a lot of countries, I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of com- countries see the U.S. as it comes to work mm-hmm. as a little crazy, 
you know? <laughs> we, yeah, right. They're like, you guys work 60 hours a week and barely take vacation where other countries, you know, they expect you to take four to six weeks of holiday. And in right. addition to that, some of them only work, you know, 30-hour weeks. And, and this balance of how much we we as Americans have been raised in like push, 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 push. All right, go, 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 go. And that's how you find your worth. Uh, and this is off topic, but that's like a challenge to so many things where generationally, I think we're starting to see that, you know, the American dream is not one thing. Remember when, I mean, remember yeah, when we right. thought we could articulate the American dream in this one universal sentence of a white picket fence and this other thing yeah like you could maybe categorize the american dream into 25 different categories where people could find something they associate with but it's not it's not this singular target that yeah. we're aiming for anymore and people are willing to challenge that and that means if you are building a company that needs employees which i haven't met a company yet that doesn't <laughs> right to start to figure out like what does that mean how do you yeah. build so much flexibility into work when historically it used to be the most concrete thing, right? Come to work every yep. day, same day, same schedule, 40 years, retire, and then go do what you want to do. Right. That's just not what people want anymore. Well, and it's not even available. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm great. Um, I just wanted to chime in. Like, um, Please. I feel like a lot of these companies don't want to change their model either because they're so used to the old, oh, come in, do your nine to five work, and then you get barely any benefits or pension or anything out of it. And you're just supposed to be happy with it. Like they think that, Oh, mm -hmm. employees don't want to come into work because they're lazy. And I don't think it's necessarily that it's just that they're not getting the benefit from doing it. Totally. I, I mean, yeah, well, you don't see the benefit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree. Go ahead. Yubi. Well, I was just, I was going to say, and, and following on to, to your point, Joe um, and, and, and Justin, you know, that, that some of that stuff isn't even available anymore, right? So, like, you can't make a pension a reality or, um, you know, that th those paths to retirement that were kind of secure and standard and set in stone aren't there anymore for most people. And so, so to, to your point, Joe, like, companies have to understand how to balance the goals of their employees with the goals of the organization, you know, well, and also, and, I mean, so what are they going to replace it with? Because you have to start well, to replace right. it. So, so we can't expect. I mean, companies can't expect that. Hey, we can't. We don't do pensions anymore. There's no such thing as retirement as such. Blah 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 blah. So just, you know, to Justin's point, just keep coming to work every day. Just keep doing everything the same. And yeah, I really don't know how I'm going to help you with retirement. I really don't know. Like, the whole thing is changing. I, I used to call it the infrastructure of work. Like, that's completely different than it was 60 years ago so now there has to be this balance of like what's the give and take what do companies give and, and, and what do they expect and then you also have the fact that not as many people are so excited about like reaching retirement age I put that in quotes because people see that you know like when you stay mentally stimulated you just have a better quality of life all the way into your 60s 70s 80s and so people aren't as interested in retiring. They're interested in continuing to add value, continuing to do something. So like, companies have to challenge themselves, like to what Justin was saying. You can't just 
you have to be willing to change and you have to be willing to try things and you have to be willing. And that's everything from the diversity topic to work remote to, I won't call them perks, but I will call them the benefits that you offer to people who will give you their time, their intellect, and will come and work with you, work for you. That's, it's a huge shift that it is. companies have to figure out. People well, yeah, have also found ways to make money through different methods now with the internet and right. social media, like people just through TikTok and Instagram, like being an influencer actually became a job. Becoming a content creator on TikTok actually became a job. Yeah. And you could do that at home with your own schedule. So like people are finding different alternatives. Talented well, people. That's, Those people are talented. Like that's the other thing. They're yep. they're making their own money and they're very Well that's a great point, right? Like had had things had the norm from the past 50, 60 years, had that been working, then talent wouldn't find themselves needing to go find those alternatives. But they are because they're not happy with the, the status quo of of how most corporations are run. And so it, you you are there's a huge shift and and that's that is exciting and it, it's but it's something that corporations i feel specifically have a once in a lifetime opportunity to take advantage of and change how they're building their companies change how they're engaging with the, the candidate pool and with talent to figure out how to make all of their dreams come true you know, that's a big, that's a big step forward for, uh, for companies and whether we're going to see th- this change. I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up to the challenge of, of really on, taking an honest look at how they're going to, they're building their companies and whether they're going to be willing to change or not. But that's a great point, Justin. Yeah, and then like I'm 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 only 22 years old. I work as a um, I'm a student, and I work as a retail manager full time. And to me, I couldn't like working 40 hours a week or 40 plus hours a week for the rest of my life seems insane to me. Like I can't imagine why anyone. I mean, I guess everyone has different preferences and everything, but for me personally, working 40 hours a week till I'm 65 and without that benefit of a pension anymore, people's social security not being there anymore, like that sounds crazy to me. I'd rather find an alternative. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that, that's a great point because that, um, that is exactly what the, that, that was sort of the only option for most people. And, but now there is so many, there, there's just so many more avenues that, that people can take. And I think it's, it's, it, it goes back to what you said, you know, the, and what Joe was talking about, like the American dream was defined in one very specific way. And I don't think we've gone back to say, you know what, maybe we need to redefine that a little bit, or at least give people an opportunity to redefine it for what that means to them. I mean, the beauty of the, the last 18 months is the rise in these small businesses. And, you know, most of those businesses I believe have been founded by black women, you know, who started their own business. So like, I'm taking control of my life and I'm going to do this my way. Um, because the, the, op- the, the opportunities for other things weren't there for, for that community of people. 
And so they're standing up. So this entrepreneurship mindset that we're seeing really explode is, is just really fantastic. And, and companies need to align with that. They need to align with that trend because that's, that's the per, you know, it's, that's the prevailing trend right now. And, and companies, if they don't align to that are going to lose out big time. And then there's the whole thing of like, so I, I'm a first generation American. My family's from India. A lot of immigrant kids don't want to work the way their, their parents did, not because they're lazy or anything. They just have different, different ideas of what what work should be and even if they did want to follow exactly what the american dream was like working 40 hours a week and getting a house nowadays it's not as easy to do that it's not even if you work your ass off and do all that part of my language but you like it's not as attainable for a lot of people so like younger kids just have different goals because they were brought up around different devices and we grew up uh, we grow up around more diverse groups of people and we just have different ways of thinking. So working for a corporation that just just pays you what they have to pay you and then not give you any other benefit just doesn't seem in anymore. And it's not even just about the pay. It's about the work-life balance that they offer with paid leave and uh, the time off they have and what they're doing specifically at work. And I think, you know, that's the thing. Even when we talk about hiring and, and interviewing it the it used to be when people said oh it's an employer's market or, uh, or the employees market they treated it like the housing market right either there's enough houses mm-hmm. or there's not enough houses it's not the same when you're talking about jobs it used to be because everyone thought i have to have a job i have to do this i have to work 40 hours etc cetera, etc cetera. but now it, i don't know that it will ever shift back I mean, unless no. something catastrophic happens in society, which we hope does it, not happen, obviously. But I don't know that it'll ever shift back to a employer's market because no. employees have choices. Like, it doesn't matter how many jobs there are to exactly what Justin was saying. I have a choice. I have a choice yeah. to effectively start my own. I have a choice to determine whether I just choose to live off of $40,000 a year and travel around in a van and stay in Airbnbs or whether I actually need to make a hundred or 140,000. I have so many options. The variables mm-hmm. are becoming endless on the side of workers to yeah. where what I don't need from an employer is a pension. What I don't need necessarily is a way to find my health care. There's companies out there that do health care that's competitive for individuals, Right. There are different things that I can find now or I can choose how I live. I can choose how I work, which is taking all the power away from employers to say, you really have to convince talented people that they should be a part of your mission, that like you have a mission that's worth being a part of. Right. Yeah. And of course, there's always going to be people who are like, well, you pay me enough. I'll come and I'll check the box. And well, work." And there's nothing wrong with that either. But you're not yeah. going to build a whole company out of those people. that's going to no. change, change the trajectory. Or do well, that's the thing. You know, it's it's like it, it, companies think there's this major war for talent and they're competing with every other company for talent. And that's just not true. To that point, there are some people who want to work at Google. So talk to those people only. Right. Like create your talent marketing, your job marketing around that message to a specific group of people, because then you're narrowing down your candidate pool to just those people who 
want to work for you. I think that's critical. I think another critical piece, something, Justin, that you were alluding to is this, this generational difference. Um, I think a key to understanding this new future of work is understanding those differences in the generations um, because it is completely different. And what's funny is if you start thinking about Gen Z, Gen Z being the, the most recent group to come into the workforce. So now there's five generations in the workforce, but Gen Z specifically, it's sort of, they actually want to go back into the office, right? Like they're the ones who grew up with everything digital. So to them, it, you know, they, they weren't on the cusp. They literally grew up with, you know, technology in their hands. So to them, that's just normal. But what they want is they want to connect with people in person. They want to actually go back into the office post COVID uh, and, and interact. And that aligns very much so with some of the older generations. So it's fascinating. And I think that's a critical piece that organizations fail to take into account and study and learn and understand is how do these, how are these different generations going to work together and how do we talk to them all in a way that resonates specifically with them to find this balance? It seems hard, right? Like it seems kind of crazy, overwhelming, stressful to do this, but that's really the key to doing it right. Well, not only generations. So let's think about, we saw globalization of workforce when, you know, things like Skype, which I don't know if anyone uses anymore, but that Skype came out and then <laughs> right. obviously now with Zoom and people can be anywhere. But think of just what's naturally going to occur. I was talking to one of my friends who used to work in the same, so I'm in Colorado, who used to work in Colorado. Um, and he's like, hey, I don't know if you know, but like I just moved to Spain to work for this company and my wife's coming over in the next two weeks and my child's coming over. So he's working for a company, he's in Spain, they have people all over. Imagine now just the simple nature of referral networks, right? Where who's he going to refer to his company to work? He's going to start to refer the friends that are in his community who are also over in Spain. And so you start to think about how much this is going to multiply like the globalization of work. So not only do you have five generations, but you have more and more people coming from, yeah, the diverse backgrounds of, that exist here in America and all the diversity from neurodiversity to ethnic diversity to all the things that we talk about from how people show up and can be represented to nationality and geographic location, which is going to multiply because the natural referral networks of certain people is now being expanded. So how are we going to, the companies have to start to think of how are you more equitable? How are you more inclusive? How are you more thoughtful when you're interviewing someone who's culturally dramatically different than you, but who is great fit for your company and who wants to back to what we were talking about. People can choose, do I do gig economy or how do I make my money? When you get the opportunity to have someone who wants to work for your company, how are you going to treat them? And how are you going to manage that globally when you get referrals from all over the world? Cause your team's distributed now. Like it's just an interesting dynamic when you think of the external forces that are creating variables on in favor of employees you know, uh, of how companies need to approach building teams. Hey, Angel, good to see you again. Saw you pop into the chat or into the channel. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. We're finally getting people uh, to engage us, which is awesome. We love hearing everybody's different stories like you, Justin, and, um, you know, and, and kind of what's going on out there because it's it does need to change. And, you know, we're, we're kind of – 
taken the fight to the front lines, if you will. You know, our goal as a company is to how do we help everybody who has to interview inter you know, do it equitably, right? Do it in the right way because most people aren't trained to be interviewers and uh, you know, it's, it's hard enough and it's stressful enough to have to evaluate another human being in general, but then you have the added stress of now I'm responsible for hiring them for my company with no oversight, no insight, no training and so how do we how do we use technology to give everybody every interviewer an equal chance at making a, the best hiring decision because right now that doesn't that hasn't existed and and the status quo has always just been well go with your gut that doesn't work out very well because we all know how that works. Justin, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to go back to what you said before. Even with like Gen Z, you were saying um, a lot of them, yes, they do want to go back to the office. They want to go out and meet people and converse. I feel like Gen Z is a group of people that loves to interact with different people, especially of different backgrounds, even though they grew up with so much technology. The right. only thing is they don't want to feel like they have to. They don't want to feel sure. Like they they have to do it to depend on their livelihood and they have to do it for mm-hmm. like 20, 30 years. They like the flexibility. That's a great point. And the, the other point that you, you brought up that, that ties into Gen Z specifically is that personal brand, that influencing. You know, every Gen Zer kind of has this personal brand that they've built up digitally, right? Whether it's TikTok or YouTube. And so to your point, um, one is that there, if you're going to hire a Gen Zer, you're not only hiring them as a person, you're, you're hiring or bringing with them that brand that they've meticulously built, you know, over the last 20 plus years. Um, and then, yeah, and they want to maintain that. They want to be able to maintain doing the things. So having the flexibility to do the things that continue to build their brand. So, yeah, that's a great point. Even with like the old, like the old system used to be like there's a manager and then there's an employee. The manager tells the employee what to do. I feel like nowadays that's changing where the manager becomes a part of the like regular employees in a way where you work as a team. Like I feel like the old notion of there's this little hierarchy that goes into place is going out the window. Like people want to feel like they're working for a team, not as like an individual anymore. Yeah. So true. I mean, we, that, that community is what people are looking for. And, and people also want to work for companies and brands that they believe in. You know, I think that that's something where to your point, Justin, I think you talked about, um, you know, people having that choice of, do I work for a group of leaders that are diverse? I mean, that, that, or do I work for, you know, the, the, um, basically the groups of people that we've seen where the whole executive team is white male. That just, there has to be a reason. And it's not because you couldn't find enough talented people that were female or that were minority or that were something else. Like that's just, that is, um, there's downstream effects of, of a team that has not challenged itself enough to diversify at the executive level. And companies, 
need to think about that because back to everything we've been saying, employees have choices and they want to work for companies that they believe in and that they know believe in them and see them for who they are and believe in the brands and all that. It's a lot to think about, but I think it's, I'm so excited about the direction that the world is going when we think about work. And we've talked about probably 15 different exactly. things just on this, this thing. But it's just so <laughs> just interesting. In this 30 it's minutes, yeah. Yeah, even with like the diversity thing, I feel like there's the argument of like, oh, uh, I prefer a person that's more qualified over having diversity. Why not have both? You could have a qualified team that's also diverse. It totally. doesn't have to be one or the Totally. Yeah. That excuse is and so outdated. It might have worked it years and years and years ago when there was, yeah, statistically, you can still say that like different groups are still catching up from education and that's just historically where we're at but to your point justin that excuses output is 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 doesn't work anymore you can have both no. you can find qualified people who are from diverse backgrounds you just have to and if you don't if you don't have that it's because you haven't worked to to make that happen it's not a priority yeah it has to be intentional for sure hey justin i have a general question for you just real quick as we kind of wrap things up around green room itself. So Joe, Joe and I are still trying to navigate this whole thing and we love it because of the conversations like this. Do you have recommendations? And I, I don't know how familiar or how experienced you are with green room, but like how, when, like what's a good time of day what, and a good time of week to come on and, and, or, or what matters most as it relates to kind of having successful interactions on green room? Well, I'm pretty Maggie new to Green Room, but personally, what I think like a good time would be would probably be like uh, Friday to Sunday around eight nine p.m. Uh, I feel like midday is kind of iffy because you know people are at work or people are going out and doing stuff. Back when people are at home around nine, people usually tune in on their phones and you know kind of relax for the day. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I appreciate that. Um, okay, cool. Well, then we'll keep playing with times and stuff. And But just want to thank everybody for uh, Angel, Maggie, both of you as well for for tuning in. We're recording these, and so part of it is we're also pushing them out like on our webpage and stuff because we want other people to be able to hear the great conversation. So, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll pick another time. Maybe we'll try Friday, Joan, maybe. Uh, little later yeah, and just, just see what, see what we get. Let's do it. So, all right. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks, Justin. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks everybody. No problem. Great conversation guys. I was looking for something like this. Like this is the reason I got this app. Oh, good. Well, listen, um, feel free to, to connect, you know, and, and message me like topics that you want to talk about. And, and if you've got it, you know, other friends out there on the green room app and, Maybe we can, you know, throw out some ways to get people to join us. And but I'd love to love to keep talking about this with everybody. So thank you. All right, take care, everybody. All right, see you guys. See ya.